0: the guy is good at what he does <laughs> if, if doing what you do is getting under your skin getting into your head moving you right not necessarily the kind of movement i prefer to have it's more like an upsetting bowel movement <laughs> no that's harsh, that's, <laughs> well, that, harsh. No,
1: that's, that's good i mean a bowel movement is relief did you feel some sort of catharsis after you no, read I, this I, as I you would after taking a massive shit
0: Shadow in your head, say, acid, suicide, freedom of the blast, the lies, yeah. Scratch off the broken skin, Tear in my heart, make me feel it again.
1: Hi, you're listening yeah. to the podcast, yeah. Rumman yeah. Questions yeah. His Life Choices, a.k.a. Quarantine yeah. Comics. Why, Ryan? Why? <laughs> After a brief respite, reading the uplifting coming-of-age superhero one-shot, I Am Not Starfire, we are back to our daily dose of depression with... No Longer Human, based on what seems to be a semi-autobiographical novel, nov, novel excuse me by Usamu Desai and adopted into a graphic novel by Roman's absolute favorite creator, wait for it, Junji Ito.
0: A psychological horror story that some would say is really just a comedic sitcom that still manages to work in body horror. So, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for that. Oh, that's right. No Longer Human is about... Social anxiety, depression,
1: and the masks we wear to hide it from everybody else. It's about one man's journey trying to live with his disease in the strange way he manages to bring everyone else down
0: around him. Uplifting as a lead balloon. I'm Roman Segel, And I'm Ryan Joe, And we are two guys who are going to be reading something way, way less dark next week. Are we, though? You know, I see your Junji Ito, and I raise you a Jean Loon Yang. (laughs) I think, I think they just have to even each other out at this point.
1: <laughs> my yin to your yang, or is it the other way around? I don't know. But we'll talk about Jin Loon Yang next week. For this week, it's all Junji Ito, all the time. And so that brings me to my first question. Rumen, what did you think?
0: I'm developing a real appreciation for Junji Ito. Straight up. Like, uh, I... The guy is good at what he does. <laughs> if, if doing what you do is getting under your skin, getting into your head, moving you, right? Not necessarily the kind of movement I prefer to have. It's more like an upsetting bowel movement. <laughs> no, that's harsh. That's <laughs> well, that, harsh. That, that's,
1: that's good. I mean, a, a bowel movement is relief. Did you feel some sort of catharsis after you no, read I, this as it... you would
0: after taking a massive shit? No, this is really good. There's a lot of visceral reactions. But, you know, honestly, Ryan, and I don't know if you have now twisted my brain over a year. um, I found this to be more of an absurdist dark comedy than an actual horror comic. Yes, there are moments of horror. There are some really smart moments of introspection. It's a pretty fucked up character study. Yeah. But I was very entertained. And I'm a little disturbed that I was. <laughs> it's, it's, it's odd, isn't
1: it? Because the, the main character, um, Oba, is, by all accounts, he's not, a, he's not a good person. He's not a likable person. I would not want to be hanging out with this guy at all. And yet, it, it, and he goes around like just kind of using people, mistreating people, kind of thinking only of himself. You understand he's depressed. You feel his depression. But the book itself is not depressing. I don't think at least.
0: It's dark, but it's not depressing. And so I kind of what's what's something you said last week when we were talking about some of the criticism of I'm not Starfire is people were getting onto that book because they couldn't relate to the character. They didn't like the character. I do not like this character. No, but it's still really good. And I'm sometimes find myself rooting for him. I don't know if that makes me a bad person. But again, and that's good writing. I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen next. What is this guy going to fuck up next? (laughs) He's like George Costanza. It was very George Costanzian.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, in a way, he's almost... I don't want to say he's like a Seinfeld character, but he is in that he's... um,
0: He's... He's gumping his way through life, making wrong choices over and over again. Sometimes of his own, he chooses to make those wrong choices, but he knows what the right choice is, and he continuously... And you think... He's going to redeem himself this next time.
1: <laughs> no, he comes. The, I, I think the closest he comes to redeeming himself. There's this moment where he becomes this kept man. He shacks up with this single mom Virgin. and her kid. No, no, no. Oh, the, she's a single oh, yeah, mom. Oh, yeah, you're right. Remember? You're right. So, yeah, yeah, he shacks up with a single mom and the kid, and she's kind of taking pity on him. And he's, he kind of develops a, a bond with a kid that lasts for a time. And then he he but he eventually just just ups and leaves. And, you know, he he basically kind of acknowledges if I were to stay, I would destroy both of them. So he he left. And that's kind of like the most noble he's ever been. And that's kind of like the one moment where he's not acting strictly out of self-interest.
0: You know, one thing I, I meant to say earlier, and I'm quoting something from a review. Because it's worth saying at the top of this episode, this it can't really be underestimated how dark and potentially triggering this book can be. Again, you and I are in pretty good places in life, so we can kind of read it with a little bit of distance. But honestly, if if you're someone, and we a lot of us have struggled with like uh, depression or issues with our own life or even suicidal thoughts, like I would walk away from this book. I not necessarily walk away from this episode, but like this book was triggering. But for me, it was just kind of a visceral, entertaining reaction because I've gotten over the bad shit in my life. I've gotten over my insecurities that Oba has that he inflicts on people, and he causes some real damage to people. But again, I again because I can read it with a at a healthy amount of distance, I'm entertained by it, and I don't know if you've got me reading too much fucked up shit at this point. Ryan.
1: So. You know, I'm kind of thinking about Junji, Junji Ito's other work. The ones I've read, we, we reviewed Spiral. I read the the one about the fish, Gyo or Gyo. I don't know actually how to pronounce it. It's about basically fish that develop biomechanical legs for some reason and start destroying of course, the world. Of, of course. Which is actually a little bit, which is also both kind of goofy and horrific. And then, and then Romina, the one about the the planet, which I thought was bad, actually. It's the one thing of Junji Ito's I've read that I really did not like. And then this one. And this one is, and, and all of his books kind of have this sort of psychological horror. And usually in his books, there's always some sort of bodily
0: transformation, body horror, that, but this one isn't. This a one psycho- is a, This this one has no sci-fi element to it, for the most it, part.
1: Oh, no sci-fi element, but definitely a supernatural element. It has. Uh, it has.
0: It has some, it has some of I mean, the ghost stuff. No, nah, it's all in the head, man. That doesn't make psych- it nuts. It's, it's also was, no. Really, here, what I'm saying is, this is psychological. This is believable yeah. and could happen in the real world. This so, is a psychopath. This is American Psycho. So actually, I want to go back to that. Yeah, I what the, it, it has a lot of Junji Ito's elements:
1: the transformation of the human, of the human body that reflects some sort of psychological horror. You know, no, every time like, you know, when his characters see something shocking, they they like their their faces transform and become almost demonic. And this is sort of
0: like a thing that cr- that that frequently happens in, in Junji Ito comics. But but I want to talk about body horror, Ryan, because. I cannot believe that you've got me to say something like that. I, let's talk about let's again, talk about body horror. To me, body horror is dictated as the horror movies that I don't want to watch. Wow, that guy got his arm slashed off or he's impaled or his eye turned into a spiral. And there are some images of that, because, again, to be clear, this is Ito didn't write this. He adapted the second most popular novel in Japanese. But what's the first but, most popular, Raman? What's the first? I'm pretty sure it's Astro Boy by... No, but... So, b- back to body horror. Like, to me, body horror is, oh, shit. I That happened. I don't want to see that. Be it a sci-fi, an alien doing it, a murderer doing it to you, all of those things. And I there is, I think, a little bit of murder and death in here. But the, quote-unquote, body horror depicted in No Longer Human is all in his head. Like, and yeah. he's seeing some really know. fucked up shit. But, and so to yeah. me... Because of that, I know I'm looking through a psychopath's eyes, but I'm not watching the psychopath do that. Does that make sense? So, like, it's fine. Yeah, absolutely,
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so, so on the topic of and I think and I think
0: maybe and I think maybe that's why I'm more okay with this book than the other one. Yeah. This one's more psychological than warp sci-fi. Yeah, that's what makes this kind of an interesting book. Then you know,
1: and a little bit different. It has the Junji Ito tropes of body horror of. Of these transformations, but at the same time, he's presenting it in a different way. As you mentioned, it is in his head. You know, for instance, there's that moment where he's vomiting out all of his nine uh, the, the 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 nine <laughs> I don't even know what you call it the nine things that 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 really make him his sad. sins <laughs> his yeah, sins yeah, yeah. right. And it's these tumors that are coming out of his mouth. It's like this really graphic scene. But yes, again, it's all kind of motivated from his own psyche. Versus, you know, in 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 most of Junji Ito's other work, the the body horror is very very much external. But you know, I I'd also say the you know his paintings kind of represent an element of body horror. The way he twists, you know, the the main character Oba wants to be a painter, and he paints these really nightmarish scenes and nightmarish self portraits, and they always kind of twist himself and his wife into like these demonic looking creatures. When his cousin and his you know dis- discovers that he's cheating on her you know, the way her face kind of transforms into, it's like, it's 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 sort of ghastly. And the same thing with his wife. When she discovers that he's cheating, he cheats a lot, and in this, in this, that's just <laughs> his thing. You know, there's this moment where her face, again, kind of transforms, and she's chewing on these herbs. I mean, she'd been drawn before as this really kind of cute girl. And these dried herbs are coming out of her mouth. Her pupils are dilated. Her eyes are huge. She looks demonic so there's this always this sort of like
0: bodily transformation tied to incredible psychological pain yeah and you you know you mentioned the vomiting of the tumors at the end it was at the end and it was almost like a climax moment of of and i no no pun intended i guess because all the hot sex that happens in this book but like it was of all the bo- it, everything was kind of small and psychological until that last nightmarish moment mm. in his head of dealing with his shit and the consequences of his life, and you know, and everything after that is more or less happy, happy sales <laughs> for the rest of the book. I, but I, you know, let's flip it. I, there's a lot of sex in this book, <laughs> and and Junji Ito has a lot of fun with it, and I, it it is. And it's not, it's graphic, but it's not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Gratuitous? Uh, yeah, it's not gratuitous. it It's there to serve the purpose of, this guy is not a monster, but he. he's an attractive guy, the ladies love him, and he uses that superpower for evil, over and over and over again, to just completely destroy these people's lives, and sex is a big part of it.
1: Yeah, um, not to and- be not to be cliche, but sex and alcohol is his outlet for you know for not feeling his depression. When this was written, maybe it wasn't so much a cliche, but obviously that's become much more of a cliche now. Though the way Junji Ito handles it elevates it. You know, there's like there's one scene where these two people are having sex and their bodies start like melting into each other. So he, I don't, I don't know if that's a description from the original novel, but it definitely. Um, Kind of takes a moment of, oh, I'm using sex to distract myself from my troubles and turns it into something strange that we haven't seen before. Yeah.
0: And what's interesting is this book was written, the original book, not the adaptation, which I think came out this year that we read, but No Longer Human, the Japanese novel uh, by Osamu Dazai was written in 1948. And so, again, you really have to think about when this was written. And again, we didn't read it as it was written. We read the, the manga adaptation. But this is some pretty intense shit for 1948. <laughs> like, Well, a... so,
1: was, so was World War II. <laughs>
0: Fair. <laughs> but I mean, just understanding like the, and this isn't a judgment call, but the world was more conservative about sex and drugs and rock and roll yeah but male female relationships like there's actually there's a scene where oba is leaning on one of his girlfriends you know
1: they're kind of like drunkenly walking through this through the street and people are like what a couple
0: shouldn't be doing that leaning on each other like that in public i mean again maybe there were pulp novels that were borderline pornographic but that's and i i don't know like maybe the sex wasn't as explicit and graphic in in the novel and these are like liberties that ito decided to take but you can't get around the guy who's philandering around with and when we were prepping oh, to yeah. try to understand all the characters at least eight or nine women like <laughs> the cousins the marxist the the girl with the suicide pact the madame or the bartender the plain kiosk girl that he married the pharmacist like over and over and over again and again 1948 or, or was this just happening in japanese fiction i don't know all of the the books written in the 40s and 50s from american and european authors that i read didn't weren't this graphic, weren't this psychological. Am i wrong here?
1: Uh yeah, i i feel i feel they were. I am thinking of like the book Death Mrs. Venice in Venice. Oh, <laughs> okay. i mean okay, so like you yeah, the book Death in Venice for instance is incredibly psychological. Mm. Um, the Dostoevsky, right? He was incredibly psychological. The depiction of sex in this book as Junji Ito interprets it is weird even for a modern day audience. But I certainly don't think I mean I can't say I'm an I'm an expert on Japanese literature, but I don't think the depiction of sex
0: was all that well it's not even the sex, it's the the American psychoness of it, right? The Oh yeah, but that walk is that like and that's so let me tell you the scariest thing I saw in this book. (laughs) And it's the character Takichi. He is the scariest motherfucking thing in this book, and not even Takichi when he's alive, but the dreams and the constant nightmares of Takichi. Just
1: like, oh yeah,
0: that well, he's dead a gross, stare. He, he's
1: he's a gross kind of looking guy.
0: He actually kind of reminds me of Junji Ito's
1: uh, snail creatures from. Spira. Yeah, and then there's that then, moment then... where you see the the there's this close up of his ear. When he's been out yeah. in the rain and there's this wax leaking out, it, it's disgusting. It's, I mean, it's. it's well, I mean, and and, and what again, I'm...
0: what's gets what's more disgusting is Takichi's baby. Like he keeps uh, seeing yeah. this dead baby. Like ah, uh, like. It's not
1: even Takichi's get... baby. It's his baby that looks like his weird friend. <laughs> after he <laughs> impregnates his cousin, yeah, Oba impregnates his cousin after Takichi kills himself because of a weird situation that Oba set up. And then the baby that his cousin gives birth to happens to look like (laughs) Takichi.
0: You know, whoever's listening to this, like we're all over the place with this book, but it's a really fucked up wild and fun ride. Uh, But it's disturbing, but you can't, it's like a train wreck happening and you just can't. In a good way. I would say it's a, it's
1: like a psychological train wreck. The guy is just going off the rails further and further, further and further in ways that you don't expect him to go. And it's just like, he, he and even when his life is, seems to be on track, he
0: manages to find a way to just completely go, you know, off of a cliff. You know, it's not Seinfeldian. It's like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> if if David Cronenberg did a Seinfeld episode, this is what he would turn out. <laughs> the David Cronenberg of manga.
1: We had a disagreement a little while ago about the the element of supernatural, and I wanted to get your take on the father when he. So, oh yeah. So he in the middle of the book. Oba and his wife are newlyweds, and then his father shows up, and he's just incredibly abusive and mean to everybody. And then, and then the father is like, "All right, I'm leaving the next day," and he goes into his room, and then he, and then Oba gets a telegram that says his father is on his deathbed, and so that's what I mean by this, and that's, what, and that's kind of like
0: I, I, I hear you, and I do wonder, again, because it's such a psychological thriller that. Are they pulling a sixth sense? Now, to be clear, I his thought wife, about that. Yeah, his, yeah, you go exactly. back and look at the scenes. Yeah. His wife's interacted, but again, it's, it's kind of like it misses the point. Like the point is he is disturbed. He's haunted by his past and he continues to make the mistakes that will create more haunting in his past. He fucks up everyone's life, right? That he touches. And those ghosts come back to haunt him over and over and over again. And are they physical ghosts? I don't know. I don't care. It's a work of fiction. But they absolutely have a psychological impact on him. The baggage yeah, of his do. father sticks with him. And so to me, it misses the point to be like, ooh, was his dad really there? Well, I mean, that's kind of a fun gimmick.
1: I no, so here's why I would push back on that. It, it's because normally when he sees ghosts, it's just like, you know, it's it's just impacting him. Here it actually impacts another person, his wife. It impacts his marriage, right? This is the first time one of his ghosts impacts the marriage. So yeah, you're right. Does it does it matter whether the dad manifest a ghost there or the mechanism by which that happens no but what does matter is that this is the first time that a ghost has a a very direct impact on his relationships with somebody that he loves well so let's let's talk
0: about that for a second so yeah yoshiko that was her name of all of the people that he fucked with and fucked (laughs) yoshiko was the most pure everyone else had kind of flaws about them but yoshiko was pure and that's why he was drawn to her and so maybe his ghost his psychological whatever infected her and we know you know spoiler alert by the end yeah it actually does so maybe that's why because she was so pure like she was susceptible to his ghosts versus everyone else had their own baggage to deal with she had no baggage she was a loving pure perfect person i think that's definitely
1: what the the writers Osama decided or junji ito regardless was trying to imply like this is the first time that he really you know where you really see the long-term impact of being around a guy like oba and how it kind of degrades you as as a human you know everyone else is oh, just, you, you just, could like, argue
0: that makes you almost no longer human
1: yeah yeah exactly right i mean look, you see what she becomes at the end and she almost becomes like a weird demonic shadow of herself which is kind of which is horrifying the way she's depicted is this sort of like really naive kind of male fantasy woman you know that that was a little bit initially i was a little bit thrown by that because it's sort of like she really doesn't have any real drives or desires but where i thought it got interesting honestly was is when Oba's personality started to to
0: degrade her or when she started to well to i you know I, it apart. was it was the world and how we interacted with the world because this actually leads into part of the thing i want to talk about one one of my favorite moments it was part of probably the most interesting chapter so to speak of the book and so again the main character Oba leads a shitty life from girl to girl wrecking lives and then at some point he decides to stop stop drinking stop philandering and takes the virgin across the street the plain kiosk girl yoshiko and he marries her and they have this kind of life of bliss he becomes a manga artist his darker art catches the eye of the art scene and the local newspaper people and there's all this stuff going on in his life where he's about to turn it around he can yeah. have the life and there are a lot of twists some of which involve past people from his life namely hariki his marxian buddy who turns out he take he steals the job from him, and now Yoshiko wants to help make his life better to bring him back to normalcy, and you know it's implied that she was trying to influence the the newspaper people. Maybe she was sleeping with them. He gets jealous about it. He gets upset about it. He psychologically torments his wife about who wasn't doing anything, and we later on find out that she did do. She went up doing something because he pushed her to it she wouldn't have done it even despite all of the suspicions. And wait. so that was just like this transformation of innocent Yoshiki because of yeah, the, she, how he tortured her. Wait, what does she do? Well, so initially she goes to the newspaper. Uh, initially the job gets yanked from him from the newspaper because yeah. her, they decided to hire Hariki. Okay. Another slap in the face from the universe. Yeah. He, she goes to the guy, the newspaper guy and petitions him. And now he's jealous. And literally while they're having sex, he's like, tormenting her about oh i bet you liked having sex with him you know blah 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 and she didn't she was like really upset about it like he really just fucked with her mind like in a bad way but then he actually does discover that probably because of all the psychological uh, torture he inflicted on yoshiko that she is now fucking the newspaper guy okay i saw that as a rape
1: was that a rape because that that was how i interpreted it she was raped by him and well
0: there, there's a time he sees yeah. it in his mind and he sees that as a rape. right that's he, not what i'm talking about i'm talking about when it actually happened
1: no that to me was a rape she that was you know she said you know he came in and she said afterwards oh he said that he wouldn't do anything you know so i kind of viewed it as wow she trusted him to come in and he raped her and then when he saw it it wasn't like I was actually, you know, I was kind of curious about his reaction. After he sees it, he goes and masturbates. So there's that. It, you know, you see your wife being assaulted by somebody. You barge in and you kick the guy's teeth in. But he kind of goes off, he masturbates, and then he's just- Well, he goes he goes off jealous
0: and upset. He goes, but again, maybe that's why I interpret it the other way. He doesn't react the way a normal human being should have. Would, yeah. He, yeah. He, he walks away in a fit of jealousy. And again, I, I'm trying to find the pages because Hariki calls it out, it's like, haha! Look what happened! And so you don't. That's why maybe I didn't read it as a yeah. Th- as an three assault. page three forty, hmm. where he, they're staring through the window.
1: Yeah, I, I read it as an assault because I just don't see her doing that. I don't see Yoshi doing that in any in any capacity. Willing. see. I think
0: after the. I think after the psycho- I again, I could be wrong. And so I, I need to watch my words. But after the after the psychological torture he put her through about his suspicions. I wonder if she just kind of gave in. Like, is wow. Now I that's really don't yeah. Know.
1: What are the circumstances in which that happened? Did he physically force her? Did he just did he bully her into it? There, it doesn't. It it doesn't really give her her mindset. You know, when at at the point you know where she was, where she was assaulted or seduced i read it I, you know, and maybe that's intentional right the the ambiguity i read it as a rape you kind of read it as sort of a willing act to possibly
0: help her husband i don't know you're right this this is written intentionally ambiguous wow this book is really fucked up man now now i'm more upset about this book <laughs> damn you junji Ito.
1: yeah so so I, I, there's, there's, there's a lot that happens from, from, and then he meets the
0: pharmacist.
1: <laughs> then he meets the pharmacist and becomes a drug addict and starts cheating on her, and which drives her to wanting to kill him. And then possibly, the thing is that's interesting here is that there's always these moments of like redemption, or that could be moments of redemption that turn into something darker. Uh, he meets Yoshi, and they're kind of like biking through this beautiful orchard with blossoms falling around them, and. Again, that turns, that turns uh, to shit. And then later on, he's hallucinating. He's going to hell. He's coughing up all of his demons, his sins. And you think, okay, this is sort of like this moment of catharsis where he's finally, you know, kind of getting rid of the things that are holding him back and that are poisoning him and poisoning his life and poisoning everyone around him. But no, that actually only makes things worse. That that pretty much sends him off to the pharmacist who introduces him to uh, some really powerful opiates. And then they start having an affair. And then when Yoshi finds out, that's her downfall. And then, and then, later on, he <laughs> goes to an insane asylum. Oh, and, and, and what happens there? Well, he meets Osamu Desai, and they have this moment of connection. And you kind of finally think, okay, maybe when he gets out, it'll be okay. He'll finally have it figured out. But it really goes wo- incredibly wrong after that, kind of behind the scenes. And it goes so wrong that it actually costs that Osama Desai <laughs> seeing how screwed up Oba is, decides to, to take his own life. It's like snatching defeat from the jaws of victory constantly over and over and over again with this guy.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, and, and that's kind of, I don't know if there's a theme to that, but you don't want him to succeed, but you don't want him to fail. You know, and yeah. you're kind of trapped with how you feel about the main character. He travels on an arc in a descent that yeah. is never ending.
1: I, I I actually think the fact that this book doesn't become oppressive is a real triumph of storytelling. And I, you know, I'm still working out how. Like, if you were to tell me what this book was about, I would be like, that sounds really, really not fun to read but this book is actually really interesting to read and fun in at parts as much as it is disturbing and tragic i'm not do do you have any thoughts on like how he does that like how did he keep you interested despite the fact that you don't like oba you don't like what he does to other people he's he's frustrating to be around and yet you still wanted to keep reading about him
0: there's kind of a cycle of repetition there it's like the same schtick over and over again with different people and in slightly entertaining and twisted ways every time. Like, again, there's with the cousins, I, I, you know, the beginning part was a little slow, but starting with the cousins and how he kind of pits them against each other for their love of him, then his interactions with the entire Marxist community in Japan, it's these kind of like, fun is the wrong word, but these little vignettes and chapters of of his interactions. And you know, it, it's worth saying, Ito is and again, this is where it was unlike so many of his other books, because the 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 horror, the creepy graphics are psychological in nature. They're more driven out of the story than the drawings, because it's a pretty tightly drawn thing. I mean, these just a very... He's a very talented artist at dry, mm-hmm. drawing the human form. And I'm not just talking about because he draws a lot of sex, which was way more than you have in a lot of the other books because all that other sex is around body horror. There's a lot of just intimate, passionate, and sometimes um, bad sex. But the people are well-drawn. The scenes are interesting. The lines are clean. And so it's a very easy read if you get my drift just from a a sequential image standpoint and that it almost like greases the wheels to keep reading and to go into the next chapter of the next fucked up thing that oba going to do he's a very virtuosic storyteller
1: in that like there's a lot of really good details and even you know with minor characters he's very good at just kind of Depicting their body language. So there's a lot happening in each panel that kind of really sucks you into this world in a way that probably wouldn't work for if you were, you know, if you were a less detailed artist. And even though there's sort of this repetition that you alluded to, Raman, where he kind of, you know, does something fucked up and then moves on to the next person and he fucks them up and he moves on to the next person and fucks them up, there's a difference in each story and the way it happens like in the beginning right with the cousins it's this sort of strange dynamic between his cousins and his weird friend and then when that story when that resolves you know we get this this interaction with the marxists which is very different It almost feels like a political thriller they
0: all, like <laughs> they all look like insects
1: they all look like insects, but even though his pattern of of you know screwing up their lives is kind of the same And so even as he kind of goes from person to person and the pattern is familiar, the sort of details around how it all unfolds is very different. And also Oba through each stage of his life is is a different person. Like there's a similarity. I mean, you can definitely see the connection
0: between like Oba as a young kid to Oba as a young man to Oba as an alcoholic.
1: Did you watch, Um, uh,
0: did you watch Spider-Man 3? with toby Maguire. Uh, unfortunately i did remember the part where that's the sim yeah the symbiote suit yeah, and he's got the slicked good. back hair and that happens with oba there's a moment where he's just kind of this like you know obviously he's not the awkward teenager anymore he's like the suave looking young man and then something happens and maybe it's hanging out with hiroki but you you just he has one night out with hiroki and he's like got the slicked back hair like toby Maguire. And he's like, he's not just a ladies man anymore. He's a fucking lady killer. And there's Mm. that transformation. And it really reminded me of Spider-Man 3 for some reason. In a good way. You know what? I mean, Spider-Man 3, that scene is infamous,
1: right? Where he's, where Tobey Maguire is dancing. Because it's just so goofy and dumb. you know,
0: and actually the scene, it's page 120. It's actually, he looked more like Robert Pattinson from Twilight all of a sudden. (laughs) But
1: you know what? I mean, that's the thing though. He's a a heartthrob,
0: right? Despite wanting to be a
1: heartthrob, he's a heartthrob. So that's kind of him Drawing Oba as a sort of moody, mysterious, sort of Bruce Wayne-looking character. Yeah, man. He, protect your daughters from this
0: man, please. <laughs> would you? I'm curious. Would you recommend this book? It depends. If you, it's not even if you like horror. I, I would ask, did you enjoy American Psycho? Like, can you look past all of the horrible things in a movie like American Psycho, and really enjoy it as a character study? That has some yeah. really fucking funny moments. If you if yes to that, like it's one of the things when we ask guests on this show, it's not always our, our comic book geek friends. More often than not, it's our geek friends who don't read a lot of comics. And the question I ask a lot of my friends is like, hey, it's cool that you don't read comics. What else are you into? Do you like psychological not even thrillers? Do you like dark psychological comedy horror things? And if yes, yes. If not, no, please don't read this. And again, as I said at the disclaimer at the top of the episode, like if you're still working through issues in your life, maybe you shouldn't read this book. You know, like this is... I don't think I could have read this 15 years ago, Ryan. Um, 15, 20 years ago. What uh, happened to but... you 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, I was i just not even 20, 25 years ago, right? Like I was in a darker place in my own life, my own dissatisfaction, some of the thoughts that I would think through and watching that happen to friends of mine. So... I don't think I could have handled this back then. Hmm. Um, But since then, I'm living a great life. You know, I record a comic book podcast, drinking beer in my basement while my kids sleep. You know, I can read this and keep the distance and kind of study and analyze and talk about this. But so again, back to if you don't like this kind of stuff in TV and in film or in fiction novels, if you're going through some shit in your life, no, don't read this. But if you're in a great place, why not? I don't know. I, I I kind of feel you're seeing
1: somebody else go through it. You're seeing somebody else's struggle, and that can kind of cast some perspective on your own life. I don't know. I mean, I, again, you know, I'm I'm, I'm tra- kind of.
0: But the know, character growth, but the characters there's no re- there, there's no there's no redeemable character growth at the very end. But that, why do you need?
1: To, no. Why do, Why does there need to be character growth, though? You know, in ter- in order to make this this book worth. You know, worth reading or safe to read. It's not like there's a lesson to be learned here. It's just a depiction of a guy going through th- this intense depression. It's a depiction of because, because,
0: no, no, I'm sorry, no matter what you read, I, I maybe I'm wrong here, but no matter what you read, you bring a little bit of yourself into it. You think a little bit about how would I react in the situation, even if you don't uh, consciously think about it, your reaction to how people, characters, fictional or non fictional, Are reacting to things are kind of rooted in your own ego and your own judgment of these things. So, depending on kind of where you are, that's where triggering kind of comes from. Even though, like, you're seeing a subconscious reflection or you're reflecting yourself and your values on this. And it's easy to judge and look at it from a distance when everything is awesome. But if it's not, you might. You could have thought you were going in one place and you clearly don't. And it reinforces your worldview that the world is shit and everything is shit. I don't know. So well, that's why yeah, I think it's dangerous.
1: I guess I said what I don't think I, I I disagree with you there because I mean, look, I can only kind of speak for myself and how I responded to things. But when I was going through dark places, I actually enjoy reading this, this darker material. Hmm. It actually it actually kind of made me feel less alone, you know, to know that hmm. other people were going through it, too. Whatever was bothering them, they were putting it on a page they were turning it into some sort of art. And so seeing somebody else's darkness was is actually very, very helpful to me and I, you know I, I, I just want to clarify i never went through depression. I'm just, I'm kind of talking about the I feel like like dark moments that other people you know that, that most people go through at some point in their lives. but yeah I, I would say reading something really dark was helpful to me as opposed to heart as as opposed
0: to harmful here's here's what's interesting the uh, one thing about this book and the one thing about some other books i read from was kind of in my dark place in this book it's not the psychological body horror the the ghost the vomiting up the ulcers of your past sins or whatever that was uh, science fiction comedy whatever grotesque drawings blah 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 it's the pain he inflicted on the people yeah that is the most triggering and so During kind of my darkest period in my early 20s, which I won't get into the details of, but I'm fine. I got out. I read a couple books by Ethan Hawke, the actor, and they're quite good. I still keep them on my bookshelf. I haven't reread them in 20 or 30 years, but reading those, I thought it was good to read them because I liked his style of writing. I like, you know, some modern American authors like Nick Hornby and Ethan Hawke and blah, blah, blah. But, and Nick Hornby's not American, he's uh, British, but those books, were almost too relatable to, wow, it really didn't fucking work out for him, or wow, it really did. Why can't I get that? And it's those books. And again, they weren't psychological thrillers. They were just like deep character studies where things don't work out the way they should. And it sent me, or in one case it did, it sent me on an even darker path. It reinforced some of the darker tendencies I had in my head. So I guess the answer, Ryan, is everyone is different. Yeah, And I so I think, I, I, yeah, I think you just need to, and you know, some of us are right, and some of us are wrong, and you know, it's okay to be wrong, Ryan. But... I don't know no, what you're in... talking about, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but in reality, it's like, you have to know yourself, and can, if you are a, the kind of person who can be triggered by fiction, and you are in a vulnerable place, like, I was triggered, but in a visceral, entertaining, out-of-body experience sort of way.
1: I remember reading American Psycho when I was
0: i was 16 or 17 and very much enjoyed it though i kind of saw it but but, but where this is different from american psycho is american psycho isn't relationship driven like you know he does totally wreck people's lives he destroys people but he's not really and he's torturing people to be clear right it's yeah because literally he's he's a serial killer Yeah, it's a horror movie but this is like The level, And he doesn't necessarily kill everyone he interacts with uh, in this book, no longer human, but the amount of trauma he... Actually, does everyone die? Hang on, I'm looking at the list. Okay, he kills a lot of these people. (laughs) Not directly. But the psychological pain he inflicts on these people, and not even like, I'm physically torturing you. There's like just the psychological ringer he puts people through with the relationships, the toxic relationships that he has, is way worse in this book than... (laughs) Yeah. The shit Christian Bale does an American Psycho. The book is really violent, American Psycho. Like Brady
1: Sin Ellis will describe in detail what it's like to carve somebody's eyeball out.
0: But but um, again, but that that's kind of like and I'm not absurd, it's not absurdist, but it's like that's a kind is, of physical actually, torture.
1: Actually, yeah. no, there's a lot of I would say there's a lot of uh similarities between this and American Psycho tonally. The difference is that Patrick Bateman is malicious. I don't think Oba is malicious. He's just he just manages to, like, you know, he gets so into himself that he just managed to drag everybody else down around him. But there's still that sort of strange, almost cartoonish comedy
0: yeah, in yeah.
1: the violence, in the reactions, you know. I mean, if we're talking about the movie American Psycho, the way Christian Bale will kind of have these strange expressions where he's, in a way, right, he's imitating what he thinks, a hu- how he thinks a human should should be like right that's what that's that's the whole point of
0: patrick that's what a lot of and that's what a lot of yoza oba is doing exactly
1: right and you know throughout he's sort of imitating how he thinks a human should react well particularly in the beginning how he thinks a human should react to certain things until he gets just tired of that and he kind of drops the facade for a little bit so and then and then even still when when violent horrible things do happen it's almost sort of funny like they're being assaulted by the police and his lover is like oh but don't leave me and she's clawing at him and he screams and he kicks her in the face to get away and then of course that moment repeats later on during the suicide pact yeah, where yeah the, the girl is sort of you know he takes a sleeping pill she takes the sleeping pills but she has a really bad reaction to it her tongue is all distended and swollen she looks in incredible pain she's like it hurts it hurts she reaches out for him for help and he kicks her in the face and sends her into into the ocean it's almost it's dark it's horrible but it's also sort of slapsticky it sort of combines all of these elements that you wouldn't think should go together similar to american psycho so i would say actually if you if, you, if you're if you're a fan of american psycho you'd probably be a fan i'm no longer human
0: <laughs> it was american psycho before american psycho it's japanese psycho ryan i gotta ask you a question no, no, no. I want to ask you the question, Roman. Can I ask you the question? Oh, oh shit. Yeah, I guess uh-huh.
1: so. Yeah. So I, are we reading something just as dark next week?
0: I mean, if you find high school dramas about basketball and Asian kids playing basketball dark, then yes, we are. Because we're reading Dragon Hoops, the Eisner nominated, and I'm not sure if it won, but I'm pretty sure it did. Uh, <laughs> Semi autobiographical tale by artist and writer Jean Lun Yang. It's about Jean Lun Yang, an English teacher, following his high school basketball team's dreams. And I wasn't sure what to make of it when it came out, but I'm glad I read it. And I think you will be too. So cue the John Tesh NBA theme. Is that it? No, dude. I don't no, know. it's. Da, 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 oh shoot that da, da, might have been da, 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 sorry that might have
1: been NCAA that was my bad
0: oh, but that's, yeah. it still works, it still qualified, it's still fine, it's still <laughs> basketball let's just not play R. Kelly's I, I believe I can play yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, yeah yeah, yeah more human than
1: human more human than human, more human